Here's a message from today's episode sponsor. Pharmacy is transforming. This transformation is having a major impact on pharmacy care and patient treatment outcomes. Pharmacists are the most accessible healthcare providers throughout the country and are taking on more responsibility as their roles are expanding. The RX Influencer Magazine features some of the most influential pharmacists in the nation. Pharma Salon and the Pharmacy Podcast Network are hosting the first RX Influencer Salon event about trends and opportunities in healthcare led by pharmacists. The RX Influencer Salon will be a live event held in St. Louis, October 24th and 25th, featuring four key conference tracks including pharmacogenomics, entrepreneurship, compounding, and cannabis. This event is like none other and will help you build your business, career, and knowledge of the upcoming opportunities in healthcare led by pharmacists. Sign up today by visiting pharmasalon.com forward slash rxinfluencer. That's pharmasalon.com forward slash rxinfluencer. Become part of the most influential providers in healthcare today. Join us in St. Louis at the Rx Influencer Salon. Water is the most powerful natural force on earth, and over the weekend, an unending deluge of it tore through communities in Middle Tennessee. There's houses moved off their foundation, cars and trees. This is almost a biblical proportions here, like a massive tornado come through here. Some parts of the state recording more than a foot of rain in just a matter of hours, leaving vehicles strewn across lawns and wedged up sideways against trees. What we have is unfolding right now a very tragic and difficult situation. The vicious flash floods have already claimed more than 20 lives, including seven-month-old twins, according to local authorities. The ranch, owned by country legend Loretta Lynn, sharing Sunday its foreman was swept up in the floodwaters. Look at the power of what it did. Steel sign on the bridge here, totally bent. One man in Waverly narrating through a scene of destruction. Another upside down vehicle surreal and sorrowful with neighbors consoling one another first responders combed through communities looking for more than two dozen people still missing for many on the ground the painful search is personal i just went and got one of my best friends it's recovered him when he was got he drowned in this and uh it's uh sitting here thinking about that yeah it's tough but we're gonna move forward with the shock of the flooding still setting in. My whole blob is history. Houses washed them down. I mean, this is no lie. Residents in four counties that experienced catastrophic conditions are buoyed by the return of cell phone service, which has led to more survivors and fewer people missing. We have had several calls this morning, uh, people reporting in to us that they have found some of the people that we had on our list. So praise God, we've, we've been very fortunate. We hope that continues throughout the day. As the search and rescue mission unfolded, the Tennessee National Guard was deployed, as was Nashville's helicopter aquatic rescue team. Just so happens, coincidentally, guys, they were practicing large-scale missions just a couple of weeks ago. Right now, this yes. morning, all hands on deck. Mm. Tom, back to you.
All right, Sam Brock in Waverly, Tennessee. Sam, thank you. Damn it, it's horrible. All right, let's bring in Dylan, who is in for Al this morning, keeping her eye on that flooding. And Henri, Dylan, good morning. Good morning, guys. And the part of uh, the reason why we saw the flooding back through Tennessee was we had just the week before Tropical Storm Fred dump all that rain. And then we had just a regular mesoscale system that produced up to 17 inches of rain. So the ground was saturated and the water really had nowhere to go. With uh, what was at one point Hurricane Henri, most of the rain and the flooding we saw was back through New York and New Jersey. We saw about 8.36 inches in Jamesburg, New Jersey, mostly on the western side of this storm. But now we have the flooding threat that includes parts of New York State up across southern New England as well, because the storm is still just going to slowly move to the north and east and rain itself out. It's only moving east at one mile per hour right now. It is a tropical depression. Winds are at 30 miles per hour, so it is still breezy. But the rain is still circling around New Jersey, will eventually move through uh, parts of the Albany area and then through Massachusetts and through Connecticut as we go through the day today. Then by tomorrow morning, it'll exit the east coast of Massachusetts, so it won't be an issue any longer. But for today, we could still see an additional one to three inches of rain. That would give us uh, storm totals up around 12 inches in some areas, especially back through New Jersey. So flooding is still going to be an issue today. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Since 2009, the Pharmacy Podcast has been leading podcast publications as the insider voice of the pharmacy industry. Explore the profession and business of pharmacy through audio. Join us at PharmacyPodcast.com or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or any of your favorite podcast directories. On August 21st, 2021, we were still in a pandemic. There was a tragic flash flood that took the lives of 20 residents and displaced over 500 families in Humphreys County, Tennessee. I remember this, but very few major news organizations picked it up because I think it was being eclipsed by what was happening globally. But that doesn't discount the horrific impact to the community, as well as the lives lost and that impacts more than just the families. It impacts the entire community. My heart goes out to that community, but I know there are champions that stand up and fight for their communities, regardless of terrible incidences like Humphreys County, uh, Tennessee flash flood. The champion in, in my neck of the woods, as everybody knows, is the pharmacist and how the community pharmacies become not only centers of health uh, from a multitude of, of things, but there, there are council members to their city, uh, mayors, uh, people that are in politics, people that want to see their community um, receive grant funding. Um, there was a library that was built in Brownsville, Pennsylvania, that with, with the help of our local uh, pharmacy called Brownsville Family Pharmacy. Today, we are honoring another one of the, those champions who was at the center of this disaster and who was there for their community. And I want to introduce uh, the, the founder, the owner of Phipps Pharmacy, Dr. Jay Phipps, to the Pharmacy Podcast. Jay, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and, and look forward to telling the story of our, our team and the way that we were involved in after the, the tragic floods in Humphreys County. Gladiator Pharmacy Podcast. This is going to be a repeating 
uh, theme on the Pharmacy Podcast Network because we want to tell the stories of the champions within our communities led by pharmacy care. And it's more than pharmacy. It's really about the the entire body of that community and, and what they go through and how they're there for each other. And Jay, you've been part of Humphreys County uh, for years. Could you tell us a little bit about your story and um, the the inception of, of Phipps Pharmacy? Yeah, so we actually, um, I originally um, started as a pharmacist after doing a residency in drug information. I've actually never worked for anyone else. I immediately opened my own pharmacy. Um, so 22 years ago um, in McKenzie, Tennessee, we opened our first, our first pharmacy and um, have done independent pharmacy ever since. Um, uh, very few um, drug information specialists end up um, uh, residency trained drug information specialists end up in community pharmacy practice. Um, even though I think that the, all of our community pharmacists are, are drug information specialists, but um, after doing the residency um, planned on working in the industry, but ended up opening my own pharmacy in, um, in McKenzie. And then we've expanded over the years. Um, I actually, um, uh, had recently purchased the pharmacy in Humphreys County. Um, I was actually fairly new to that area, even though I've been in, in middle and, and West Tennessee for a long time. Um, we had actually only had that pharmacy for a few, um, um, really for a month and a half or so before the flood happened, which, um, um, now my staff had been there for a long time, but, um, a lady had retired and, and she'd reached out to me about my purchasing her pharmacy. So I did. And that's when the, the opportunity presented itself for, for, to be in Waverly is a city that we're in, but the, the flood affected the entire County. Yeah. Let's go back to that day and, and kind of tell our listeners what, what happened, um, there must be a sector of the county that this river flows through that every once in a while when you have the, the torrential rains that are coming down, it can overwhelm probably the waterway in of itself. But can you go through that day for us? Absolutely. Um, uh, it was a, a Saturday morning. It, it had been raining a little bit on um, the night of the 20th, um, August 20th. Um, and then um, uh, had right picked up um, significantly during um, Saturday morning, um, late Friday night, early Saturday morning. Um, I've seen reports as much as 70, 17 to 20 inches of, of rain um, and, and a really just less than a 12 hour period. And so, so you're correct. Trace Creek um, goes through the city of, um, of Waverly and down through, um, uh, through Humphreys County. And um, if you look at um, the geography of, of the county, Waverly is somewhat in a bowl, um, fairly decent size hills, not really mountains, but, but um, hills um, that drain all the water down to, to, to town and the creek is in the middle. Um, and so, so literally that water um, just came through and, and filled the creek up. And then started, we started having flash flooding. Um, there's been lots of reports and lots of questions on, on what all contributed to that. Um, but, um, but nevertheless, of, of exactly why the, the, the creek flooded the way that it did and the town flooded the way that it did, um, it was a significant impact um, to the community. Uh, the, the morning of the, the rains, I got a, a phone call from our text message from my pharmacy director, Kayla. Hargrove, um, Dr. Hargrove texted me and said, hey, one of our staff members isn't coming in 
um, we're going to be shorthanded. I'm going to go help out the other pharmacist. And um, I think we both thought that maybe the staff member, when she said that she couldn't get out of her driveway, was um, maybe situating the truth. Um, maybe didn't want to come in on a Saturday morning. And, and neither one of us really thought, you know, um, initially that much about it. Um, uh, so Kayla um, got, to, got to the pharmacy and within about 30 minutes called me. Um, so that had been by 8.30 in the morning on the 21st. And she said, we just had a patient come through and said that a that cows were floating down the creek beside their house that were that were dead. Um, and so I'm pretty candid. I said, do you believe it? Like, because at this time we had no idea. And she said, she's a pretty, a pretty trust, uh, trustworthy uh, patient. So I think so. So I said, all right, well, you know, let me know if you need anything. Um, I hung up the phone. I went and what most Tennessee guys would do, I got my knee-high boots and my waders. Um, I got some ropes and chains, threw them in the truck, and then I, I took off to, to the pharmacy to see see what was going on. Um, and and then um, as I as I got into town, noticed litter rose covered, creek full. Um, uh, still hadn't seen the full amount of the flooding at that time, but still it was significant. You could tell that there was had still a lot going on. There was going to be a lot of damage irregardless, um, even though it still had not peaked, to, peaked at that point. Yeah, the, the horrific events that then took place, um, you know, claiming 20, 20 lives of, the, of, of your residents, uh, displacing 500 families. Um, you went into action. You quickly uh, picked up uh, several pallets of drinking water, things like deodorant and toothpaste and toothbrushes, uh, just to to know that that your community needed uh, such relief. I mean, there's the world of Red Cross, but they don't show up for sometimes a week, uh, you know, or two weeks later, just based on uh, something happening immediately. Uh, Eight thirty in the morning to nine thirty in the morning to you know, 12 in the afternoon, there was major differences in, in, in the water as well as um, the, the experience of, of not having medications, not having groceries, um, not having a place to stay. Um, what, a, what a terrible event, but the community pharmacy stood up and Dr. Kayla um, went into action. Um, you started really understanding that your, your patients um, needed to continue to have their care, have their medications, but you were doing other things too. What, what, um, I mean, that, that's, there's a character, um, you know, to that, the, the, the love of, of a community. I mean, community, that's why I just love community pharmacies. You're, you're a pharmacy, you're a business, you're a healthcare provider, but you're, you're part of the community too. Tell our listeners about how your team, um, sprung into action immediately and, and really started to help out, uh, Waverly. Absolutely. Um, a little bit more background before I jump into that. Um, when I arrived that day at the pharmacy, we had people standing under our cover. We had people in our, in our, in our lobby um, because their homes were, um, were already flooded. Um, there were within um, 50 yards of the pharmacy, there was water. So we were blessed enough not to, not to have any floodwaters reach the pharmacy. But the houses within 100 yards, 150 yards, there were people on the roofs of the houses when I got there. Um, and then people were displaced, had, had ran out of their home. Um, I would encourage people to, to do a Google search for the, the flood in Humphreys County and Waverly. Um, literally, um, uh, the flood 
water's raising about 10 minutes. You start, when people told me that initially, we're standing there looking at the water and you can see um, vehicles washing down the creek, um, floating down the creek, and you can see people on top of their houses. Um, I still don't think that I um, thought that, that it would occur that quickly. Now, sometimes we're not great historians. And so when people are say it took 10 minutes for their house to flood, you're thinking, well, it's probably more like 30. Watch the videos, 10 minutes and, and, and places, they went from no water in the yards to six and eight feet of water um, in their homes. And so our staff actually went to work the day of the flood, counseling people. We had people that had their um, their animals, their pets that had, were locked in their homes whenever they left and they were sitting there just, um, you know, going through the grieving process of knowing that their animals weren't gonna be back when they got there, that their family members were lost. We had um, patients the day of the flood talk about how their family members had been washed away in the flood and they watched them um, watched them be washed away and they could they didn't know where they were at and asking for help and finding people and that kind of thing. It really was a traumatic um, experience and and even though I personally was fairly new to the community, um, my staff knew everyone and and we had people whether they were they were our patients or or patients at other. Um, other pharmacies are not uh, pharmacy patients at all that that um, that we knew and were or they were friends with and, um, and and had known for a long time. So they were reaching out to them and getting phone calls and we were trying to help find people. And, and it was a lot of um, um, a lot of camaraderie, but also a lot of just um, uh, overwhelming. People felt overwhelmed, I think, because they didn't know where their family members were. Um, public housing within. 200 yards of the pharmacy had multiple deaths, including young babies that were swept away out of their parents' arms. And, and just the, the, the challenge that we knew that was going to happen after that um, really w- was set up the day um, on August 21st. Even though we, we knew it was going to be severe, we at that point, we still didn't know how many people had been had died, how many homes were damaged, that kind of thing. So... Um, after we got everybody settled in that day, we we were um, uh, my staff was committed to being there as long as they could. They stayed um, absolutely last pharmacy chain or independent um, to close that day to stay to take care of people. And then um, and then I went home and we were trying to figure out what we we're going to do the next day. And you're right, uh, Red Cross kind of did come. They were very helpful. There's other organizations, but we knew they wouldn't be there on Sunday, the day after. And so um, we were actually on the phone a lot that on Saturday night, trying to trying to find people, trying to, to help locate people and see what we can do through social media, through Facebook and Instagram, trying to see where people were at and, and who was safe and who wasn't safe and that kind of thing. Um, so um, on Friday, on Saturday evening, I reached out to a friend of mine that owned a grocery store and said, hey, can we get can we get water? How many pallets do you have? So I bought his. I got as many as my trailer would hold and, and we, we loaded up and we went to a, a local um, dollar store and bought everything of toothpaste and deodorant and everything and loaded up and went there. And then um, uh, you came through on Sunday morning and it, it I think we overused a war zone, but it did look like a war zone. There was houses completely moved off their foundations, vehicles in the roads. Um, there was a, um, a trailer that was a, a double wide, um, house trailer on the street that the pharmacy um, behind the pharmacy off the street that was now sitting in the middle of the road. It has been picked up and, and moved a couple hundred yards and sat down in the middle of the road. Um, and we started having people early that morning come in. And the first one 
um, came in the pharmacy and I will never forget. She said, I was holding onto the ceiling fan in my bedroom um, with barely my, my head above water when somebody busted in the window with a, um, with a jet ski, threw me a rope and pulled me out of the house. Jeez. And um, uh, I just couldn't imagine it. I knew it was real before that, but I think that was really the time when it really struck home of how, how, how big of an issue this was going to be, how big a tragedy this really was. And, and we, we, um, cause it was August, keep in mind in, in West Tennessee, middle Tennessee, it's, it was in the, the upper eighties, low nineties, um, no water for about a week, um, no electricity. Um, so, so even the one, those that were not, um, um, affected immediately by the flood were still affected. So the entire community was affected. And so we gave out water. We had people coming in, you know, didn't have restrooms to use. We, 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 we brought potable water and, and, and made sure that they could at least use our, our facilities to take care of them, take care of themselves and wash up a little bit. Um, and um, we were fortunate enough to have a generator. So we had electricity. So people would come in just to sit in to be, to be cooled off. And, and so there really was a, a an overwhelming day. Um, the uh, told the story of the first lady, the last lady of the day, which was dark. Now we got there at eight in the morning on a Sunday and we were there till seven thirty, eight o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Um, people all day long, just coming in, needing medications, needing help, needing to talk to people really. And the last one came in and she says, do you think Walmart's open? And um, we said, no, it's closed. She says, I lost my shoes. She walked in barefooted, um, had no shoes. All she had on was her shorts and T-shirt that she had when the flood happened. And that's the only thing that she had to her name. Um, It's amazing how things work out. My my girlfriend Daisy had and I both on Saturday night had went through our closets and pulled out anything that we hadn't worn in six months. And we took it with us into a handout. She had a brand new pair of shoes that she bought that didn't fit, that she couldn't return. That was the exact size of the lady that came in with no shoes. And so um, it's amazing how things just truly work out. And then that um, um, that that was the first day. And then really um, day two and on became um, struggles because all day long patients came in and told their stories of how they lost their family members, their pets, their their, their homes, um, that kind of thing. It became really a, um, a counseling session. And, and Dr. Kayla and Emily and Regina, my staff there, did a phenomenal job of listening um, and, um, and, and, and hearing the stories and, um, and hugging and loving on people like they need to be loved on in such a, such a situation. Um, and so, um, so, so that really set it up before we had, um, before we had any global health there, before any of the, the, the big charities and Red Cross and those things came in. Um, but it was just an overwhelming sense by then of, of, um, of how, how big this tragedy was going to be, how significant it was going to be. It was going to be more than just a little bit of water in the yard. It was going to be overwhelming. Um, death tolls started piling in by then. And we're trying to figure out like how many people do we know, how many people are still missing, um, how many people have lost everything. It, it really was an overwhelming um, experience. Um, but we we wanted to come up with a plan. Um, how do we help people? So we um, we started uh, setting up and we set up set 17 um, drop um, locations across well, middle and West Tennessee to, to collect goods. Um, so we collected everything from diapers to clothes. Um, 
my girlfriend Daisy did a great job. She took every piece of clothing we got. She took it home. She washed it, got it on hanger, sorted by size, so we could hand it out to people. Um, we had um, uh, people giving toys. Um, Eli, our, our six-year-old, gave um, gave his Pokemons to give to people. Um, and so we were trying to to gather all that stuff, all those things. And in my location in Huntingdon. Um, we actually had a, a conference room that was an old bank and it was full of, of donations by Saturday. Within a week, we gathered enough to fill the 20 by 20 room full of um, uh, full of donations. Um, and it was really it was good to start to see, even though the, there was still so much hurt and pain, um, we started to see the good in people. Um, because people were were donating that, that had no con- connections to Waverly, but still donations were coming in, and it was we started to see the uh, the transition from tragedy to to um, to uh, good humanity and how we take care of each other. Yeah, I think it was very touching. Your six year old six year old daughter Ellie was handing out stuffed animals to children who were in shock and were, you know, displaced, their homes were gone and something that simple where she was connecting with other children. Um, that was, uh, very special when I was, when I was reading your story. Well, thank you. And, um, it's actually, it's Eli. He's a, he's a little boy. Oh, um, Eli. okay. Yeah, yeah, Eli. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but, but yes, it was, it was amazing. He, he really, he would see kids come in, um, by that, um, the, the week after the flood, um, we really, after about a, a day or two of taking care of medications and, and the basic needs, um, we started going door to door, handing out water. Um, friends of mine had donated cash. And so we would go by and see who needed things, who needed groceries, who needed gas cards. Um, and, and we started to um, giving those things out to people in the community. And um, I, I never will forget one lady we went to her house and it was a very humble house to begin with, uh, more like a uh, um, what some people may have is more of a of a, sh- of a of a shed or outbuilding kind of thing house. It was not much of a house, um, but she was very proud of it. Um, and we got there and she wanted to show us where her TV used to be and where her refrigerator used to be. And they were all now in the yard. And I and I asked her, I said, you know, do you need money? Do you need help getting buying groceries? And she says, no, don't worry, I've got $20. That's all the money she had left her name. But I think people were in such shock and and they wanted other people that didn't have $20 to get, um, to have the things met, the needs met that that they did. So um, instead of, um, we oftentimes see people being selfish, um, but this time we didn't. We saw people that were really more concerned about other people than themselves, which was a great, um, a great experience and great to see. and and when you went door to door, people really were, hey, can you help me move this couch out of the, the the house that now is off its foundation and that kind of thing. And we we really got to to know the community and see the community, um, and 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 try to meet the needs. Um, I reached out to to wholesalers and the pharmacy schools um, that I facilitate um, associated with, and. Um, um, and I'll, I'll call them by name, Amerisource and Smith Rugg both sent um, big donations, um, and which I was really um, thankful for. We got those distributed to, to patients and, and um, uh, University of Tennessee College of Pharmacy. Um, they, they were helpful and, and other pharmacists across the state. But then a Union University um, uh, College of Pharmacy had provided significant donations. They collected 
um, I don't remember the exact amount, but over $2,000 worth of, of, um, of money so that we could help, help people and buy think people what they need. And we use that money to, to help make sure that the, the basic needs were met. It's interesting to think how a community pharmacy in throughout the entire country, this is, this is how community pharmacy steps up. This is how it's the center of, of that healthcare destination when, when everything is, um, you know, there isn't a disaster per se, but when, when disaster strikes, this is why I'm such an advocate and supporter of our independently owned community pharmacies throughout the, throughout the country is, is because it's more than just pharmacy services. It's community care. It's community services. Right. And this is a, a great testimony to the power of, of owners, um, of owners of pharmacies that understand their, com their community, that understand the, the, the hardships that they're going through, even when there isn't such a horrible disaster like, right. the, like the flood. Um, NCPA, the National Community Pharmacist Association, recognized you, and I want to give a shout out to them for recognizing you, but can you share with our listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, um, I was um, uh, blessed, I would say, with an amazing team, and to me, the, the, the NICE award provided by, by NCPA was, wasn't a recognition of JFIPS. Um, or even Phipps Pharmacy, um, but but our team and our community and the profession in, in general. I said from the very beginning, this was not a, an award that I received. It's a, a award that um, NCPA recognized our team and community for because we all came together. Um, the profession really showed out and did a great job of making sure um, that the needs were met in the area. And um, and I, I really feel humbled. Um, humbled that the NCPA recognizes. Um, and when you I actually carried the award around and showed it to, took it to every one of our locations and we have four and um, just to see the faces on the staff members because they may not have been there on the, on the days we were handing out goods, but they still brought clothes or they still helped collect things from, from people. Um, they still talked about it and answered questions and, and um, we still were parts of it. And so it was good to see, um, see that be recognized. Um, uh, so many people played a part in what we did um, and what was done there. Um, I will say there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. It's still, um, um, it's still a, a, a emotionally and physically, um, um, structurally uh, a, a challenge in the community. Um, but, um, but I was very, I, I'm very humbled that, that NCPA recognized us as a, as a Warner for community, as an award winner for community engagement. Um, one of the stories, I, another story I'd like to, to share if I may, um, is that um, when we were, we set up in what would be equivalent to a yard sale on Saturdays. Um, we had, we had good set up inside the pharmacy um, every day, but on Saturdays we laid out and we would have all the clothes laid out. We would have um, all the gifts and donations and all these kind of things that people had given us um, laid out on the side of the road. And people would come by and they would say, "Hey, I need, you know, I've got, I need diapers. We'd find diapers, or I need clothes, or whatever." Some of the most heart wrenching 
stories were those that came by that were looking for clothes to wear to their family members' funerals. Um, um, and so uh, I'm spoiled, um, uh, you're spoiled. We're all, most people, most of us in the pharmacy community, um, have much more than what we need. Um, and it, it really brought things back to perspective of, of how, um, how, um, you can be brought back down and, and how, um, it's really, um, all the stuff that you have can be taken away in literally just a, a moment and, and the mental um, impact of that and the way that community pharmacy um, does for caring for those patients, not just physically, we provide them clothes, but we also, um, the ladies uh, that are on my staff did a great job of hugging the grandmothers that are there looking for a dress to wear to their, their, their grandchild's funeral and those kind of things. And, and those are often overlooked. And we do those maybe not, as you said, not, maybe not due to a flood, but, but community pharmacies um, are doing those kind of care every day. And, and they're, they're hugging people that are going through cancer treatments or just found out that their, their child is really sick or, um, or that kind of thing. And so really this is just an extension of what we do every day. Um, uh, I hope that nobody ever else has to, to be in the situation, but um, but I have no doubt, no matter what the community is, community pharmacy practitioners are going to step up and take care of their community. You are a pharmacist who's helping to conquer the Coliseum in their communities, and that could be healthcare issues. It could be a divorce that wrecks a family. It could be a fire that destroys uh, one in the, you know one family's home. But I've heard stories across the nation over the last uh, 20, 25 years about pharmacy, community pharmacies um, that step up to help their communities out. And that's why I'm a, you know an advocate for what community pharmacy is doing. It's, it's more than the healthcare services. It's the empathy, it's the mental health care, it's the behavioral health, it's the addiction that people go through that, that community pharmacies are stepping in. And I just, that's today's episode. That's what I want everybody to realize. I want you to share this episode if you're listening. If you're a health system pharmacist and you work in a hospital, your hospital is still part of that community. You're still part of community pharmacy. It's just a, a different type per se. Um, but Jay, I'm I'm so proud of of what you did and and how you gave everything uh, that that Jay f- um, that that the Phipps Family Pharmacy had at their disposal to help the community during this horrific time. Um, I I want to stay in touch with the Phipps uh, family and the and the Phipps Pharmacy team just to almost do like a follow up. Maybe we could talk later this summer to see kind of like uh, one year later how everyone's doing and just bring up us up to date. Um, what what do you want to say to listeners today that, that might be uh, pharmacists, technicians, um, our, our pharmacy profession, um, just in closing? Well, number one, thank you. So many people across the country really was helpful. Um, that's the number one thing. The number two is um, there are, are situations like this across in everyone's community uh, of needs, uh, maybe not as dramatic, maybe not as newsworthy, but still need us to, to be there for, for, um, for the people in their community. So I ask you to just sometimes just open your eyes. Um, we don't know what's going on in everybody's life, um, but reach out and care for them when they need it. Um, um, pharmacists 
Um, I, I say all the time, we're pharmacy gladiators. We're taking care of people in our community. And so be a pharmacy gladiator in your community. Take care of what needs to be taken care of. And I agree with, with you, Todd. It doesn't matter whether you're a health system pharmacist, a long-term care pharmacist, um, work in drug industry, um, you can still be a, a pharmacy gladiator and take care of people in your, your community. And so just be open to that and, um, and be involved um, and, and find what, what those needs are and, and represent the, the profession of pharmacy well by taking care of the people in your community. You absolutely do that. Um, Dr. Jay Phipps, um, it's been an absolute pleasure and honor to interview you today. Um, thank you so much for what you do for the profession of pharmacy, for your community in Waverly and Humph Humphreys uh, County, Tennessee. And um, we look forward to uh, talking to you again. And are you going to NCPA 2022 in October? Absolutely, I sure will. Um, I, I am. Um, I'm the current Tennessee Pharmacists Association president-elect, um, so I'm looking forward to a big year. Um, I'll be at NCPA and I'll be at APHA in the spring, uh, even though we're, we're talking 11 months from now, but we were planning it yesterday. So um, absolutely, I'll be at NCPA in the fall. Well, I'll be on the lookout for you, Jay. We'll have to get a, a picture for, for social and and um, just come together, uh, hashtag TogetherRx. I, I believe in and what you're doing. And I thank you for what you're doing. And, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I appreciate you speaking with me and, and sharing the story. You have a, have a wonderful day.